0: Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons.
1: Merry Christmas! Christmas to all of you, and we're so glad that you are able to join us uh, this morning. Especially to those of you who are joining us for the very first time, we welcome you. We wish we could actually say hi to you in person, but uh, we've got to wait for another week, so mm. continue to join us, and we're looking forward to all that God is doing. I, I love Christmas season, uh, especially as we've been singing some of these Christmas songs, as well as praise God for the creative worship mm. team and that special praise for us during the offering times. Uh, I was just wondering, like, Pastor Bob, what do you like about Christmas?
2: Um, definitely the songs, like mm. I shared earlier about Advent, but I would say definitely, probably my favorite thing is that we were used to always get together as family friends. Like my family would invite over friends and we would just have like this big potluck meal. It would just be a time of just like eating a lot and then the kids will all play games. So I think this is one of my favorite things about just, you know, being with family, being with people in that
1: sense. Yeah. Good.
2: good.
1: Oh. Hey, man. Can you guys hear me? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think people are saying they can't really hear me. Is it mute? No, it's not. Maybe, maybe this is what, we can, can we get another, is there another mic? Handheld, yeah. If you're, if you're seeing a head sticking out, that's one of our, our guys who are <laughs> helping out here. So praise God. Uh, I'm gonna We're going to just go ahead and uh, use the handheld. So uh, we won't run into We've been running into a lot of little difficulties. So uh, continue to be in a spirit of prayer as we really uh, believe that God's going to minister to us. And as we hear the word of God, uh, those of us who have been joining us in the last several weeks, we know that we started this whole new series uh called unexpected and this is our advent season and it's pretty much the weeks leading up into christmas so that we can prepare our hearts for welcoming the king of kings and the lord of lords it's not just about presents and gifts and all that even though that's part of it but it's a reminder that we so desperately needed the gospel message and jesus christ is the answer especially with all that's going on in this world i don't know about you but as we we're thinking about this whole series. Um, there were so many things that were unexpected, especially in 2020. Uh, One of the things that someone asked me recently is like, oh, you you didn't go on a missions project. And I was just thinking about that, and I realized, yeah, every single year, ever since our church got started back in Michigan in 1996, every single summer I've been on a missions project, whether leading the team or just kind of going in to help support what God was doing in that particular uh, nation or country. And so I realized, like, that's one thing I really missed this year. And that was not something that I expected, that I would go a whole year without going on a missions Mm -hmm. project. And so I really feel like even though there's so much going on, uh, so many unexpected things happening in your life, I'm guessing as well. But that's the reason why we started this series, to help us to look at the Bible and to understand what God has to say about unexpected things and as we get ready for Christmas.
2: Yeah, and and as you know, for those of you who have been tuning in for the last couple of weeks, our first part of our unexpected series was unexpected trust. And we talked about how letdowns can cause us to distrust, but God is worthy of our trust. And we, we talked about Mary's encounter with the angel Gabriel and how that was an encouragement for us, even in the midst of uncertainty, things that we weren't sure about, promises that we didn't see fulfilled necessarily, how we can still trust God through those moments. And I think that's really applicable to, you know, the season that we've been going through. And then last week, if you remember, part two was unexpected joy. And then we talked about how our joy can be elevated as our heart is cultivated. And really hoping that this season can be a season of joy for us as we continue on.
1: Amen, so as we get started in our last part and get ready for the new season and the new sermon series called New, um, I'm just wondering if, when was the last time that you actually saw a group of people or just somewhere in public where people just broke out in spontaneous praise or just applause for something that they were witnessing or something that they were actually seeing with their eyes. And as you know that those are those cool moments when it's almost like humanity gathers together because we all recognize that what's happening before us is really something that's awesome and it's incredible. And sometimes it's something that we want to give praise to whether that person or whoever it may be. But the thing that I want us to remember is that because of so many unexpected things, I think one thing that we could respond to is just with fear, discouragement, or we could then just pause and say, God, what is it that you're doing? And then as you begin to witness everything that he is doing, that you're able to praise God. And I think that's something that's going to be really important as we close out this series, talking about unexpected praise. So let me give you a quote. It's a quote by Steve DeWitt. And what he was saying was that uh, for believers— One of the greatest things that we have is that when we experience something that is great and awesome, that we can actually give praise to God. But for the unbeliever or the pre-Christian, when they experience something, they don't know who to direct it to in terms of the praise. So they have to experience things all over again. So listen to what he says. And I think he says it very um, poignantly. So I'm going to go ahead and read His quote is from his book, Eyes Wide Open. He writes this. The unbeliever has nowhere to go with his experience and is left to crave it again. Go to another concert, have another sexual encounter, watch the same movie over and over, or if I could put in there another Korean drama, over and over again. And it says here, the Christian takes the wonder and uses it to animate praise to God. It consummates our joy in the beauty and glorifies God as the giver of beauty's blessings. In that way, we enjoy man-made artistic beauty for what God intended it to be, a wonder-producing, praise-inducing experience of his glory. What a great reminder. And as we are looking ahead to this Christmas season, even in the midst of the 2020 pandemic, even in the midst of all the craziness that we're, unexpected that we could not have predicted one of the things that i'm praying and i'm hoping for is all of us will be able to turn what we experience pause for a little bit look at it from the eyes and the lens of god's faithfulness and his goodness and his favor unto us and to be able to say that we want to give him praise because he is such a good god so the one thing that i want us to remember for today is simply this that as our gratitude rises up to god our hearts will be filled with praises for god so once again is that our as our gratitude rises up to god that our hearts will be filled with praises for god so what we want to do at this time is give you some time for uh, huddle groups and as you know the reason why we do this is we want instead of hearing us and just watching the screen we want you to interact with one another and to build community. And this is a great way. And one of the things that we have talked about just among some of the leaders is that we don't want anyone to be by themselves, Mm -hmm. be alone during the season. And so we don't want anyone to come into any of our church gatherings and not have a conversation with somebody there because we want to encourage you. We want to be a blessing to you. So please, if you are just watching and you're not part of our life group ministry, which is our small group ministry, uh, stay on Mm -hmm. and you can kind of um, uh, zoom in and there's going to be some of our hospitality team people where you can have some of these questions and discuss them together so but for the rest of us who are part of the life group I think your leaders have already set that up so we're going to go ahead and have you discuss these questions so here are the questions that we want you to talk about the first one uh, the first one is has there ever been a time when you spontaneously broke out into praise or gratitude flowed out of your lips and the second question is this What is one thing that you see as a hindrance for praise to flow out of our lives? So what's stopping us, what's hindering us from allowing praise to come forth? Those those are the two questions. So we'll give you six minutes, so that's not a a lot of time. So you got to go ahead and jump right into it. So we'll see when you come back. Those of you who might not know, this is Annie Who?
0: Hello. <laughs> uh, and
1: uh, we have, I have, our, my wife and I, we have known her for, I guess, what, almost 11 years or maybe a little bit more than 11 years. And uh, one of the things that we have just been able to see her grow and over the years as a coming in as a college student and grad school and coming to Hong Kong with us to plant the church is that she really has the giftings of teaching and communication. And we just wanted to find different avenues for her to use that uh, gifting uh, within the context of our church. So uh, Pastor Bo and I, uh, we decided to invite her to come and just do part of the teaching. And so we spent this past week just kind of working on the message together, but um, I'm really excited for a lot of the things that she got convictions from uh, in this passage, and then she'll share that with you. And so pretty much she'll take our first section, and then we'll have Pastor, uh, I'm going to share the second section and the Pastor Bo will come in and he'll share the third section. So, Annie, how do you feel?
0: Uh, definitely nervous a little bit, um, excited. Uh, kind of feels like, you know, when you go on a roller coaster mm-hmm. when you're in line, you're kind of anxious about it, but also like, you know, it's going to be a good ride. That's kind of how I feel right now. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's uh, <laughs> scary, excited, right? Or exciting. So yeah. uh, we're looking forward to it. So, yeah, please go ahead and share with us some of mm-hmm. the convictions that God spoke to you about. In this passage,
0: Mm -hmm. okay, yeah, and I I think when we think about uh, praising God, uh, there are several things we need to take note of, and the first point that we want to talk about is that praise recognizes God's favor. Um, So let's go ahead and read verses forty six to forty nine. It says. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. So as we read this, there are a couple things that we notice. Uh, the first thing is that God's favor is very personal. And we see that Mary's trust and joy, as we talked about in the previous sections of this sermon series, is that um, these things are translated into praise for God now at this point, because there's a deep internalization of what this means for her personally. Uh, Mary refers to God as her personal God. If you see in verse 47, she says, "My spirit." rejoices in God, my savior. Uh, in verse 49, she says, he who is mighty has done great things for me. And for Mary, God wasn't just this big and far away God looking down from heaven and just sent like this angel Gabriel um, to appoint a task for her to complete. For her, God was her God. He was her savior, and he has done great things for her. And it's really obvious that this is something that she really internalized. Um, And I think this also echoes back to even earlier in the chapter when Gabriel did greet her. He greeted her as the favored one. If you go back and we read verse 28 um, in the ESV, it says, and he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. In verse 30, he said, the angel of the Lord said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God you think about the word favor it really it has this meaning of God's grace that has been freely given to us and there's a connotation that we don't really deserve it um, but we received something that was uh, just given to us freely and if you think about even being favored by someone there's a sense of honor and even being really special to someone and I think Mary really was able to internalize this and share this praise to God, like my savior, my God has been so good to me because she knew that she wasn't just simply being useful to God for his purposes. Like I'm going to bear the son uh, for God and, you know, savior of the world. But she also knew that she was chosen by him and known to him in a very personal way. It's kind of like, the way I think of it is like, if there's like a famous singer or someone that you really admire, I don't know, who who would that be for you? Uh, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Outside of him.
1: (laughs) Uh, My wife. Mm. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I mean, are you talking about more like just anybody? Yeah, like a celebrity or famous
0: person that you really admire, singers, artists. artists.
1: Um, My favorite band all time is U2. It's old school, I don't know if you know that. 80s. 80s, (laughs) praise the Lord.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I think it's, when we think about being favored, it's kind of like that. I know a lot of, People in our generation, and like BTS, you also talked about them last oh, time. Jesus. Yes. Yeah, BTS, or even Blackpink. I really like their music these days too. They're mm-hmm. like, yeah, really got that fiery spirit. But yeah, let's say for example, one day uh, they decided that somehow, somewhere, they chose you. Um, out of all their fan base, like army or blinks, right? Like out of all their fan base, they chose okay,
1: Annie. I'm, I'm a little bit concerned. You know a lot. <laughs> a little bit. Too I read, much the,
0: news. read okay, the news. Read the everyone. news, everyone. Okay. <laughs> um, um, and they're also really just talented. But let's say one day they just chose you and they decided to invite you to their home in Korea. And not only that, they decide to write you a special song wow. and do a solo performance for wow. you. And chose you to be in their music video. Wow. I think you and I and all of us would feel immensely grateful, honored, special, and, yeah, favored. And, and all of a sudden, we're not just their fan, mm. but we're their friend. And I think this is the way uh, sometimes we forget. But this is actually how God sees us. Like he chose us. Um, out of all people, and, and He chose us to save us. He didn't have to. Um, he wrote a love letter with 66 books in it. That's the Bible, by the way. Oh, and and He also just He died for us, and that's the kind of love, that kind of favor that He showed us, and He showered upon us. Um, If you, if you remember, and Jesus told his disciples in John 15, 15, he says, no longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my father. I have made known to you. Like, can you imagine that? Like God of the universe, he doesn't just call us servants. He doesn't just want us to be useful to him, but he wants to spend time with us. We're his friend. We're close to him. And even in the Old Testament, in Isaiah 41, in verse 9 to 10, in the NIV, it says, I took you from the ends of the earth, from its furthest corners, I called you. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. See, God himself says, I am your God. He doesn't just say, I am God, really high and mighty, but I am your God. In the message version, he says, I love this. It says, I pulled you in from all over the world, called you in from every dark corner of the earth, telling you, you're my servant, serving on my side. I've picked you. I haven't dropped you. Don't panic. I'm with you. There's no need to fear for I'm your God. I'll give you strength. I'll help you. I'll hold you steady. Keep a firm grip on you. Can you imagine that? Like God says, I got you. No matter what you're going through, I'm with you, I'm by your side, and I'm holding on to you. He has a firm grip on us. I think that should give us so much hope um, that God is not this far away, distant God, or He just expects us or demands us to do things for Him, but He really wants us to be near to Him and close to Him. And so how about us? You know, how Do, do we see God as a personal God who chose us and cares deeply for us, or do we see Him as someone Kind of far away or just enlists us to complete tasks in different ways. And how has God spoken to you personally in the past week, month or season? And, and yeah, so when we think about God's favor, that's the first thing we notice is for Mary, she knew that God was a very personal God to her. The second thing that we notice is God's favor is a privilege. If we look at verse 46, it says, My soul magnifies the Lord. In other translations in the NLT, it says, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. NIV says, My soul glorifies the Lord. And NASB says, My soul exalts the Lord. These words like magnifying, praises, glorifies, exalts, there's a sense of like enlarging the thing that you're praising. And I think... God really doesn't need us to enlarge him. He's big enough. And it's not that he wants us. He's like this egotistic God and say, oh, you need to make me seem greater. But really, um, he's just so worthy of our praise. Uh, Even the psalmists or in the Old Testament, different prophets, um, they've said that even if we didn't worship, the rocks will cry out. And look at, look at Isaiah 55, verse 12. It says, the mountains and hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. I mean, it's very poetic, but um, yeah, if, if we didn't praise God, like all of creation would just burst out in praise. Like he, he's just that worthy and he's the creator of all the universe. And it's our privilege to praise him. I think the more we understand who we are in light of who God is, how much we are not like God, and how undeserving God's favor is upon us, then the more we would praise Him. And we see that example from Mary. Uh, in verse 49, we see that Mary describes God as a mighty and a holy God. Mighty meaning He's just so able, He's so powerful that He He actually sends a Savior to this world to to save mankind. Like he's, he's so powerful, but he's also holy. She knows that God is so righteous and so perfect in every way. But in contrast, she says, we see that Mary knows that she is undeserving, of humble estate. That's what she says in verse 48. And if you look at it in the NLT, she says, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl. This is how she refers to herself. She didn't, she didn't say, oh, well, yeah, God somehow like chose me to bear the savior of the world. And yeah, I'm somehow this important person, but she, she has a very sober view of herself. And she says, he took notice of this lowly servant girl. She knows who she is in light of who God is. And I think many other people in the bible have also experienced this realization um all throughout the bible you see people who encounter god in such a powerful and transformative way and one of the most notable ones is paul uh, In first timothy 1 15 to 17 um he says this is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it christ jesus came into the world to save sinners And I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of His great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in Him and receive eternal life. All honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal King, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Amen." I mean, when we think about Paul, he's done so much. He's planted so many churches. He's discipled so many people, and he's influenced so many. His influence has passed on generation to generation. But here, he he's so humble, and he really knows who he is in light of who God is. He says, "I am the worst of sinners," uh, and he he really knows. And out of that understanding of himself um, before God. Then in, in verse 17, he praises God. He knows that he doesn't deserve this favor that God shows to him, even to choose him to be used uh, by God. He understands that this is God's grace. So we see that Paul shares the same sentiments as Mary. They both understood how lowly, humble, even broken, and sinful they were. And, and thus God's grace and goodness were magnified and made more obvious. Like, And I think that's just how God likes to work in our lives sometimes. Um, Sometimes God allows us to be more aware of the depth of our sinfulness. He allows us to fail. He allows us to see our character flaws. He allows us to be weak and even to mess up in different ways, to respond in in ways that are maybe not emotionally intelligent. But He allows those things so that we can understand the magnitude of His grace, the depth of His grace more. I think Pastor Seth has counseled me in many different situations throughout the past decade, I guess. And I think one thing that he often mentions is, you know, me being an only child and how it brings out a lot of uh, the self-centeredness. Not that, not that if any of you are only children. We love you. We, l- we love <laughs> yes. you in
1: Jesus Christ.
0: Yes, but I, I recognize being an only child myself Um from Asia, that there are many unique struggles as an only child and and things that I may never have um, realized until um, it gets exposed in different ways. And I think the first time I truly understood that I was sinful, that was like a very powerful experience in university. And I grew up going to church, like singing all the like Christian Sunday school songs and memorizing all the verses. But I remember when I first, the first time I truly understood how broken and sinful I was, um, it really, it's like all the things that I knew in my head, it just suddenly came down to my heart. And it all made sense to me that God could even love someone like me. It's so mind boggling. It's so incredible. And and it, it led me to praise. I think I remember just Back then, I didn't type as much. I would write on in a journal, but I think I just wrote like eight pages straight of journaling of praise and repentance and joyful repentance, knowing that I didn't deserve God's grace at all. Um, but I think this understanding of sinfulness, it couldn't just be this one-time inst- incidence. And um, ever since then, I continue to understand that um, I'm broken every moment, every day. And um, I think even like just... This past week, there have been many moments that I realized, oh, shoot, the way I responded, it's so entitled. The way I, I, I make decisions or I say things, it's, it's, it's self-centered. It's about me. And I think that's when I realized that, um, yeah, that this is how depraved I am. This is how... Um, weak and, and broken and how prone my heart is to wander, even though I have experienced God's goodness, but I need to continue to come back to it. And I think God is, is his grace. It's his mercy that he loves us so much that he allows us to realize how broken we are so that we can know God is so good. Um, I, I think I always go back to this quote I love. It's by Timothy Keller, and he writes in The Meaning of Marriage. He says, the gospel is this, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. Like, I think Pastor says, shares often, like, we sh- when we mess up or we're broken in different ways, like, we should, the right response is never, oh, I can't believe I did that, right? But it's more that, man, I can't believe I didn't go further. And, and I think sometimes we're just that... Um, even blind to our sinfulness. But when we can really understand and receive the gospel is that we're so much more messed up than we could ever imagine. But at the same time, uh, we're more loved than we could ever dare hope for. Like it's just out of this world kind of love. And I think that will change us. That will lead to praise um, of God's favor for us. So how about us this morning? How often do we think about being favored by God and burst into praise? When was the last time you just sang songs, I mean, even if it's in the shower or if you've sang and or danced, uh, used whatever you could, wrote um, and did things because you just understood God loves me so much and this favor I didn't deserve. And when was the last time you realized how broken you were, um, but how loved you were in Christ? Um, I think we can't truly understand how good God is un- unless we know how bad we are and-, and that repentance is so necessary. And does the gospel bring you deep joy? Um, or have you taken it for granted? I know as someone who's grown up in the church, it's easy to just say, oh yeah, Jesus loves me. Yes, I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. (laughs) But I think how often does the gospel really just wake up in the morning and say, this breath is from God. It's his favor. And so once again, when we think about God's favor, we have to see that when we praise, God, praise recognizes God's favor, and that favor is very personal to us, um, and it's a privilege to us. Uh, So at this time, we want to have a time of huddle group, and just one question we want to think about is, why do you think it is hard to make the gospel personal and also see God's grace as a privilege? What are some hindrances or things that makes it just so hard um, to do that? So we'll give you a couple minutes to do that.
1: Hopefully you had an opportunity uh, to share with one another. I know that sometimes when I'm, whenever I'm in these Zoom calls with other leaders around the world that I'm always like, I wish we had five more minutes or 10 yeah. more minutes. So uh, we're, we're hoping that it's just a starter so you can connect with some people and get together with some of them. If you had a good conversation, you want to talk a little bit more about it. Our, our heart's desire is that it's really about people. Uh, loving people, loving one another, and loving God. So we pray that you'll be able to do that, especially with some of these points that were so poignantly Mm -hmm. highlighted for us uh, and what Annie shared was such an important part of what it really means to be able to grow spiritually as we recognize God's favor in our lives and making it personal. So as we've been talking about this idea of just as we raise up praise to God or just raising up our heart of gratitude to God, then as we feel the sense of like, I don't deserve it, Lord, then it will just lead us then to give praises to God. Uh, It should be spontaneous. It should be something that is natural that we talked about. And then we want to just jump into the second point. And the second point is simply that praises also reaffirms God's framework. So it's kind of like this perspective. And kind of gives us a little bit of a parameter of who God is. So praises reaffirm. Uh, Praise reaffirms God's framework. I want to go ahead and just jump into this. As Annie was mentioning in verses 46 through 49, the focus was on God's favor towards Mary. And that's why this idea of making us personal and it's a sense of privilege, we saw that coming out. And one of the things that I want you to notice as well is that now Mary shifts her focus and her praise on to God of who He is And what he has done to now more of what he is doing in the world and around other people. So let's go ahead and uh, let's read verse 50 through 51. This is uh, what the word of God says. Uh, Hopefully uh, you could just read it up on the screen. It says this, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble state. He has filled the hunger with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. Now, what I want you to see is if you look at verse 50, you will see that Mary uses this Old Testament reference to talk about God's mercy. Now, this is very important because when you think about this, it refers back to Psalm 103, Psalm 103, verse 17. I'm going to read it from the New King James Version and just see how it echoes similarly to what Mary is saying. It says this, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. So what you notice is here's Mary probably knowing the psalm. She declares it out to God, knowing that in light of everything that's going on, unexpected things, that she's pregnant now when she didn't even have sexual intercourse, and she's going to be carrying the Messiah. With all this coming at her, she realized that it is God's mercy that's from everlasting to everlasting, from generation to generation, or children's children. Now, the word mercy, if you study this carefully in the original language, you'll notice it means loving kindness that his loving kindness continues. It doesn't stop after you mess up or after you do something wrong. But his mercy continues over and over again. And one of the things I've been sharing a lot is what you have to understand, there is a difference between grace and mercy. Grace is receiving something that we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. So things like punishment, the wrath of God, Uh, just all those things that we do deserve because of our sinfulness. But when we ask God for his mercy, then we do not receive that. It is now placed on Jesus Christ, and that's why we worship him, and that's why we praise him. And so when you think about this kind of framework, this perspective or this mindset that you see here, you will notice that this is something we need in our lives. I don't know how many of you really see yourselves in such a way that you realize, I need his mercy. Now I-, I need his grace. Oftentimes we, those of you who've been brought up in the church, it's really easy to think to yourself, like, I- I'm not that bad. I know someone else who's worse than me. And so then we somehow feel like we're exempt from his mercy and his grace. And that's what always leads to pride. That's what always leads to this false sense of security. This is why for many of us, our our spiritual lives are not thriving because we don't fully understand not only the depth of our sinfulness, but the magnitude of His love and His grace, His loving kindness, His mercy and His grace for us in our lives. That's why I really believe that if you don't fully understand this, it's going to make you very proud or very, very insecure proud. What I mean by this is, once again, if some of us think that we're not that bad, then of course we're going to start judging people. We're going to start thinking that we're better than everyone else. We're going to start to be the one who's going to dole out what, what mercy or grace that that person needs or not. Some of us are so proud that we don't want to even take on some of the consequences that comes from other people's mistakes. On the other extreme once again it's also pride but it's coming from losing something because you don't have such a security in christ you don't understand what he has done for you so you do everything to protect yourself that is the sin of self-protection that we see so often i see it in my life i see it in so many other people i've counseled is that we have this pride that is rooted in insecurity and we will do everything to defend it that's why those are the people who get very defensive Those are the people who can't take constructive criticism. Those are the people who get really hurt all the time. They're hypersensitive. All those things show that you are proud because, once again, either you think you deserve something or you're at this point where you don't want to lose something because you don't understand how much God loves you and that he is merciful to you, that he's gracious to you. So when people begin to understand their need for God's mercy, and this is what Mary's saying now, and that God comes in power into their lives. Uh, do, do, do you remember that story about Jesus and the Pharisee and the tax collector? I don't know those of you who read your Bible, you know that story that they both went into the temple, the Pharisee and the tax collector. Let me go ahead and read you uh, part of that story. Listen to what it says in verse uh, Luke 18, verse 11 through 14, and it says this. The Pharisee, which is those who were the religious leaders, the Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus God, I thank you that I am not like other men, uh, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collectors. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I get. Now, let me just pause here and just say that sounds like a lot like our church members. <laughs> I don't know about you, but people I've counseled. And I know that this was my heart uh, oftentimes when I think that I'm doing really well. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to forget how sinful we are yeah. in our heart.
2: And I don't think you have to grow up in church to feel that way, too. Because yeah, I didn't I grow so. up in church, and I realize I struggle a lot. Oh, with that's right. Pride. He struggles a
1: lot with it. So, yeah. I, we're I think trouble.
2: a lot of us, especially we grew up in really good households. We were good always households, a good yep. kid, or maybe some of us are the older sibling, and we always that's did right. the right thing, I think. All those tendencies are also similar. Or
1: they're really hardworking, so they earned a lot of yeah, things, yeah, right? So yeah. that's that kind of spirit. So here, here he is praying. So if you want to add Father God in, after every couple of <laughs> words, you know, that kind of spiritual prayer that he's lifting up. But look at verse 13. It says this. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, come on, say this with me. God, God be, be merciful, merciful to, to me, a sinner. sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, which is referring to the Pharisee. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who, come on now, humbles humbles himself will will be be exalted. exalted. And this is the reason why when you continue in verse 51 and 52 of this Luke passage, you will notice that it talks about those who are proud so a lot of times you cannot praise god you cannot have this unexpected and spontaneous praise to god when there's pride in your life that's why in verse 451 we see the phrase shown strength with his arms This is referring to god and it talks about god's power dealing with those who are proud listen to what the voice translation says it says this god's arm has accompanied mighty deeds The proud in mind and heart, God has sent away in disarray. What I want you to notice here is those who are proud in heart and in mind. I think for many of us, we sin in in the area of pride in our minds. And a lot of times, that's some of us who are very well-mannered. Many of us who might think that everything's going really well. We're very cordial. But in your mind, you are so proud. Because you think you're better. And then it goes to your heart. And then I want you to look at the word disarray. Isn't that interesting? It says here that God uses his power to send proud people into a disarray. Or it says here, scatters. Now, why is this important? Because when you think about disarray or scatter, it's this idea of confusion. It's this idea of just being scattered all over the place. You know, like those... Those, what do they call it? The chaotic uh, genius or whatever. You know, uh, those people who are just like, they're messy, but they're kind of not in their mind. Anyway. Uh, but they're like brilliant. They're, they're brilliant. brilliant. Yeah, uh, yeah something yeah, like that. Yeah. Well, brilliant because they're so proud, right? Einstein, his hair yeah. is all crazy, but he's like. <laughs> something like that. Something like that. that. That's what it's referring to. That the proud people, that they do not humble themselves before God. The arm, which is talking about God's power, his justice. He is going to send these proud people to disarray or scatter them. And when you're scattered and you're at a disarray, discombobulated, one of the things you will notice is that there is a lot of sense of what am I doing? What's my purpose in life? Why am I so apathetic? Why is it that I just don't care? I want to to be honest with you and just as your pastor, listen to me carefully. Some of you right now are feeling that maybe a sense of just apathy, maybe a sense of purposelessness. Like you just don't care. People are trying to challenge you to read the Bible and trying to challenge you of your issues and you're just like, yeah, I see it, but you don't do anything. You're hardened in your heart. And so what I'm speaking to you about is oftentimes there's pride in your life that you don't even see. This is why accountability is important. That's why having good friends it's such an important part of spiritual growth. People to be able to say, hey, man, that attitude is not good. Hey, you haven't even touched the Bible for a week. Hey, you haven't really been really just loving to your roommate or to your family or to that person. Because oftentimes what we overlook is there is prod. That's why we're at the state that we're in. That's the strong hand of God trying to get your attention to wake you up that the life you're living right now and what you're feeling, this disarray and scatteredness, is so that you will turn to Him. But so many of you turn to video games, watching movies. There's nothing wrong with those things in and of themselves. But it has a grip on you. It could be shopping. It could be anything. And so oftentimes, those things trip us up over and over again that's why in verse 52 you will notice as mary is thinking about this he's trying to she's trying to she realizes even in her own life why why did you choose a servant like me a lowly servant and that humility and that's why you'll see that she says god has what brought down the mighty from their thrones and instead what did what does she say that god does He exalts those who are humble. Listen to some of these other translations about exalting those who are humble. It says this in the voice translation, and those who were humble and lowly, God is elevated with dignity. You you shouldn't be trying to look for dignity. You're trying to be dignified. But when you humble yourself, God will give you that dignity. God will lift you up. Listen to the uh, contemporary English version It says this, he puts humble people in places of power. I want you to look at the next one, and I'm going to make this comment here. It says this in the the Passion Translation. It says this, he lifts up the lowly to take their place. What am I trying to say? Some of you have a lot of power, or maybe some of you are well-established in your workplace. Some of you have a lot of influence. And if you allow that to get into your heart and your mind and at least to pride because you think, I've done this. I got this job. I got this salary. I got this house. I got this car. I got this. And you forget that it's the Lord who gave you this thing. You know what it says here? God's strong arm will deal with that pride. And then he's going to put a humble person in replace of you. And I've seen this time And time again, I think all of us have seen it, especially even in the church, in leadership, is that when pride comes up, after a while, then God will say, he'll deal with us. But then what happens is that he will replace us at times and he will put someone who's humble. I don't know about you, Pastor Bo, but I was just thinking like, this is some serious words, you know? When we think about our calling, it's a privilege that we have to serve him. Mm But sometimes our pride gets in the way. Yeah. And that allows us then to have more room for our own self-centeredness. Yeah. And so I'm praying that we will try to keep humble mm-hmm. and yeah. trust in God. In that. Especially as
2: pastors, right? And, yeah. and I think one thing that came to mind as you're sharing is, I think we, none of us, we want to get to that point, right? Where God has a strong arm or remove us. And I, I think that's kind of a point where it's like, there are a lot of negative consequences. But I realize even as you're sharing earlier, it's like those moments where you feel confused or you feel far from god or you feel like does god really love me i think it's easy especially uh i I know for myself it's easy to question like where are you god and kind of like in a very innocently kind of almost spiritual way kind of putting the blame on god like god you're not doing something in my life or Mm -hmm. i'm trying to do all these things but you're not speaking to me right but then i think oftentimes as I'm reflecting deeper, I realize there's some element of pride or lack of humility on my part, Mm -hmm. thinking somehow that God has to speak to me in a particular way, or I have my expectations of how things ought to go. And then it's usually like when I realize that, that that helps me to humble myself. But I think it was so true. Like when you, when you were saying like it's when that confusion or that scattering happens, it usually does reveal something about pride when on the surface level, it might seem like, Oh, something's wrong with God, but it's really kind of internal. So I think it's, you know, without having to get to that point, if we can realize it earlier on at yeah. this point, then I think that will really help a lot.
1: Yeah. So in many ways, that's God's grace when yeah, we are yeah. feeling confused yeah. and purposelessness, because yeah. He's trying to get our attention. Right. It's a signal to say, "Hey, like something's wrong." Yeah. I'm just curious about some of you as you're watching, listening. What is it that He's speaking to you today about? Maybe for some of us, we've become very self-sufficient. We've become proud. And that's why some of us are in the state that we're in. And the question becomes, what do I do now? If I realize this and I want to change. Well, we see that in verse 53, in this last part. We notice that God fills the hungry and it says, what with good things. While the rich, he has sent away empty. Now, can I just say it could be a literal hunger? But oftentimes there's a lot of analogies or metaphorical language and that could be a spiritual hunger and the sense of richness is the riches of this world and not rich towards God. And Mary probably is thinking about that Old Testament passage in Psalm 107, verse nine. Listen to what it says in the ESV. For he satisfies, he referring to God, satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. I think oftentimes it is the rich and those who have so much where they feel like they don't need God. That's why it's the danger of allowing pride to get in. Because when things are going well, you don't feel like you need God. But for one month, you've been looking for a job. Mm -hmm. And you couldn't find anything. I mean, first you have to overcome your pride because you're like, I- I'm better than this. I studied at this university. Never experienced that before. Never, never experienced that never, before. Never, and, you've never. F- and never <laughs> fell through a- asleep through interviews, right? And so when you think about it, right? We- we're so desperate. We're hungry. We're saying, God, where are you? I'm dependent on you. But once we get the job, we're like, we're good. Thank you, Lord. We're good now. That's the same way some of you have struggled and you've seen some of the difficult things in your life. Maybe there's a loved one who was sick. And you've been praying, and you're desperate before God, and that God somehow miraculously does something beyond your control, and you realize, okay, God, I'm good now. And that's what we forget: is that humility, that spirit of humility that we need. And that's why I really, when you put the whole Scripture together, you realize it it really connects. Do you remember that story in Revelation chapter three, verse seventeen and eighteen? It's the story about the prophet. Uh, it was John who saw this vision, John, the, uh, the apostle, right. and God was speaking to him and they were talking about the different churches and it was the church in Laodicea. Listen to what it says here. I think this was very, very, connects to what we're talking about. It says this in verse 17, uh, chapter three, it says this, for you say, I am rich. So once again, material things or maybe rich spiritually, you're doing well. I have prospered and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich. So once again, rich spiritually. And white garments, referring to cleansing, becoming more pure so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and solved to anoint your eyes so that you may see. What a great reminder for us that oftentimes we think we're okay, but God says you're not. And that's why I believe that one day when Christ comes back or when we die and we have to face judgment, our pride will be dealt with. Look at some of these passages. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 11 and 12 in the New Living Translation. It says this, and read the yellow section with me. It says, human pride will be brought down and human arrogance will be humbled. Only the Lord will be exalted on that day of judgment for the Lord of heaven's armies have a day of reckoning and he will punish the proud and mighty and bring down everything that is exalted. Listen to what the message translation says. People with a big head are headed for a fall because you're out of balance, I guess, right? And it says (laughs) pretentious eagles brought down a peg. It's God alone at front and center on that day, on that uh, uh, the day we're talking about, the day that God of the army, angels' armies is matched against all big talking rivals, against all swaggering big names. But can I just say this to you, that some of you right now are thinking, okay, Pastor, I get it. I'm proud. I see these things in my life, and I see this is how God's going to deal with this pride. What do I do? The good news is this, that Christ is inviting you if you will humble yourself and to take up your cross and to learn of this God. Listen to what Jesus said to those who were in these situations. And it says here in John, uh, excuse me, when we look at the passage of Matthew chapter 11, it says this. It says people, uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, it says um, Can we get to the next one? Yeah. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Listen to the message translation of that passage, Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30. It says this. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? I keep on hearing from people, I'm burnt out. Mm. So here's the Spirit of God, Jesus Christ, speaking to you. He says, come to me. Get away with me and you recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me or abide with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Wow. How how about some of us, as we think about this passage this morning, are you struggling? Are you going through a lot of different things in your life? Do you feel burnt out? Do you feel overwhelmed? Well, here's the passage where Christ is inviting us. I'm wondering if you have God's framework, understanding who he is and his power, understanding who we are, and pride has no room when we understand who God is. And everything out of that framework, what we're saying, God, I praise you because though I am proud, you're inviting me in. So we're going to just quickly do a, a, just a five-minute huddle group just because of time. But we want you to just be able to just quickly talk about this instead of just, once again, us all talking the whole time. And it's simply this. What is one moment or situation in your life that your framework it's different from the gospel, kind of like your paradigm might be different, whether it's your self-sufficiency, pride, confusion, whatever it may be. So go ahead, I'm going to give you five minutes to talk to some of the people around you in the Zoom, and then we'll come back together and close out. Hopefully, uh,
2: again, you had a good huddle group discussion and, you know, really praying that as you are sharing vulnerably, like Pastor mentioned last last time. Uh, there's different ways you can follow up and continue to pray and minister unto one another. Uh, and, and as we close out with the last point, uh, we talked about how praise recognizes God's favor. We talked about how praise reaffirms God's framework. And I think with the last couple of verses in this passage, we wanted to talk about how praise remembers God's faithfulness. And in order to really experience this genuine praise, we have to recognize and remember God's faithfulness uh, in our lives, and I, I think this is where that gratitude really comes in. When we remember uh, God's faithfulness, this is how gratitude rises up in our hearts, and then that is how all of our praises uh, just flow up to God. In that sense, um, so let's read verse 54 uh, to 56. Uh, this is what it says: it "says He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy, as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to His offspring forever." And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. So as we picked up you know, earlier on, Mary was talking about just, her, just that personal relationship, that privilege she had, that favor she received. And then, uh, and then she went into this whole discussion on just how completely differently this framework was and how she viewed just God and the gospel. And as she closes out this section, she mentions a couple things that I think are very, very interesting and important to note. Um, one of the things that she recognizes is how the original promises that were given to God and to from God to Abraham to Israel, uh, what those were and how those were actually being fulfilled and, and how that represented God's faithfulness. Uh, Mary recounts God's mercy. She uses that word mercy, like earlier we've talked about that's uh, this whole concept of loving kindness to uh, Israel and Abraham, and uh, what what was that uh, mercy? What was that uh, that God did uh, for the Jews and for Mary's people? It was really obvious. She didn't have to explicitly say it. As as a good Jew, you would know. You've grown up hearing the stories of Abraham. You would have grown up hearing the stories of Moses and the Israelites. And uh, for those of us, we we weren't from that kind of era generation. In Genesis 17, this was one of the promises to Abraham that she probably would have uh, just kind of understood from verses 6 to 8. It says, and this is God speaking to Abraham in one of the initial promises that God gave. It says, I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give the entire land of Canaan where you now live as a foreigner to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever and I will be their God. And so this was Abraham. He didn't do anything to deserve it. He didn't uh, merit it. He didn't earn it. And as Annie shared earlier, it was just the favor of God that was upon him. So this was the promise. And as now Mary's recounting what has happened, she's saying, God, you've been so faithful that this promise is still valid. It's still true. And there are a couple other things that the Israelites would have probably thought about or the Jews would have thought about when they were hearing Mary's song of this praise. Uh, thinking about when Israel, or when Israel was in Egypt, they were slaves. And even though they grumbled against God, they, you know, most people just gloss over, but they were, they were resistant to Moses. They didn't see, and at one point they wanted to turn back. But yet God still delivered them out of slavery. They would remember the time when uh, they were afraid of getting killed by the Egyptians and God parted the Red Sea for them. They would have thought about the time when they were in the desert, in the wilderness, and they were grumbling, complaining. They even made a calf. But yet God still provided for them food time and time again to sustain them. And that was God's faithfulness over and over and over again. And I think that just reminds us of that, that truth that we cannot really praise God unless we realize how bad we were in the first place and how undeserving we were. And that was what we talked about earlier in the favor. But I think it really forces us to remember because I, I think oftentimes we don't think that we're that bad. And, and as you mentioned, we didn't you know most of us, we don't think that we're that bad, like you uh, shared earlier in that point. And so I think the, the key is, oftentimes we're forgetful people. right? It just as people, we're forgetful. And that's why Mary talks about remembrance. I think that's the key word when she talks about remembrance of the mercy because it's only when we remember how bad we were and we remember how good God has been to us, then it just erupts in this praise. Uh, this has been something that's so uh, obvious in the in those times, uh, all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout, you know, the first five books and Genesis through Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, uh, Deuteronomy. talks about remembering God, remember what he did, and don't forget all the things that he has done. Uh, Deuteronomy 4, verse 9 in the ESV, it says, only take care, and this is Uh, kind of a sermon from Moses to the Israelites at that time after they had experienced all the miracles and the wilderness times God providing. He says, Only take care, keep your soul diligently and read it together in the yellow, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. And that was even a verse in the psalm that uh, previously There's something about the human nature where it's easy for us to forget. We're forgetful people. And it's so easy for us to not remember the things that God has done. And we saw that in Israel. They will constantly forget time and time again and go back to their own sin. And that's our story, too. It's not just the Israelites of old. That's our story. Not to prove a point, but (laughs) um, I wanted to ask, do you remember what you had for lunch yesterday? Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> not quite I was fasting it and wasn't praying. inspiring no, I, 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 I don't remember how about lunch today one month ago one month ago today yeah
1: I was eating uh,
2: rice lunch <laughs> one year ago today or ten years ago we have no idea no idea probably don't remember nope well if I were to ask you you know what was a praise that you had from last week
1: praise from last week that God has been good <laughs> uh, praise was, from
2: one year ago one year God has been still good <laughs> praise Forever. From ten years ago, I'm not to put you on the spot, sure, but, sure. but <laughs> I think the point I'm trying to make is it's not immediately accessible for us, sure. right? It's so easy for us to not have it on our minds what God has done. We might have that go-to praise, right? Like when we accepted Christ and God met us in that powerful time, and that's how we always go to. And that's where, like, oh, anytime we struggle, we, which is great, all right? Because we always have to return to our first love, but oftentimes we forget all the other things that God has been doing in our lives simply because our memory is just as humans, our memory is not that great. And as we get older, it's and as we get older, it gets a little bit harder. And and I think that's a question for us, right? When was the last time God has answered our prayers? Do we remember? When was the last time God really delivered you somehow from a situation, from your anxiety, from your stress, from your um, nervousness, from your insecurity? When was the last time? Uh, When was the last time God worked in your family? When was the last time God worked in your life group? When was the last time God worked in your workplace? Now, as I'm asking you these questions, it might be triggering, Oh, oh, okay, I remember that. I'm questioning and I'm wondering and I'm challenging us, do we remember on a, a daily basis, on a personal time, as we're going through our life, do we remember his faithfulness? Because if we don't remember, then we're never going to be able to praise God. We're not going to be able to say, God, you're so good in my life and this is all the evidence that I have of your faithfulness because we're such forgetful people. Um, I think one of the things that causes me to forget is because uh, I don't really consider it that significant. But I realized one thing that really helps me to remember is telling stories. And I know like uh, growing up, my parents would tell me a lot of stories of like how they came to the US and their purpose of telling stories was to instill this like hard work ethic. So my dad would always
1: tell Walking the story. In the snow <laughs> for five miles. Yeah, yeah, stuff
2: <laughs> like Well, my dad would always tell the story of how like when he first arrived to the US, he was like a graduate student. He was like, yeah, I only had like $200 in my US dollars, which is like a hundred, a 1600 Hong Kong dollars. I was like, that's all I had, nothing else, and that's how I made it, and, you know, American Dream, and, you know, work hard, right? And so, you know, it just gets seared into your mind because it's repeated, and, and it's a story form because it's interesting. And, and there's something about the human psychology that just connects with stories, right? We tell, and we remember things through stories. But I was thinking about, like, what are the things that, even in our church, that reminds me of God's faithfulness? And I think one of the things that really sticks out was... Um, uh, one month ago last year, so not this past November, but last November, I think if you remember, that was when the protests, I think, really started to like really hit headlines and it became a really big deal. This is when, uh, for those of you who remember at CHK, there was uh, all that thing going on and then Pali as well. Yeah. And we were as a church meeting at Pali in Hungham Hall. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> it feels like, now that i talk about it, it feels like forever ago, yeah. but it was only a year ago. And I think there's a photo of, um, this is where we used to meet. For those of you who um, just joined our church recently, you don't remember us meeting at Hung'um Hall, but canteen. this is what, it, yeah, it was the canteen. And then when we talked with the other international pastors, they were like, oh, you're the church that met at the canteen. Um, So we were known as the church that met at the canteen, but praise God. I think God was so faithful in that because, you know, like, we were a young church. We didn't really have many finances. Uh, We're still growing, and God really provided the space for us to meet. Mm -hmm. And also fellowship after lunch. We just had meals together, and those of you who were part of— remember, it was such a good time of fellowship and really building community in our church. And I remember it was that time, Missions Month. We invited guest speaker David Rowe to come, and he spoke at our encounter in the canteen. The previous picture was that him speaking— And that was also right when Pali Yu like the protests and things were getting really bad. That's right. And then Saturday, so he spoke on Friday night yeah. encounter at Hung'am Hall. And then Saturday night, what happened? Things blew up. Yeah. And then Hungham Hall, they locked down everything and then we got a notification you are not going to be able to meet at Hong Kong <laughs> Hall Sunday morning yeah. and we got that notification like 10 p.m. was it Saturday something been. 10 or 11 yeah, yeah, I mean, p.m. and i and i remember freaking out cuz we're like what are we going to do we have no venue and like what kind of venue is operating and responding at we 11 p.m. we should
1: have p.m.? met at the protest <laughs>
2: jesus uh, <laughs> so we're like lord and we ask people to pray and our yeah. leadership were scrambling to find stuff and I don't know why there were certain venue people. Praise the Lord! I don't know it was just Lord. God's faithfulness. God. Um, but there were some venue people that responded, and there was God. this one venue that we were able to meet for Sunday celebration. And I think we have the photo here. That's where David Rowe he uh, right. shared for Sunday celebration. It was called. Do you remember what it was called? I don't know. Uh, G Party. G Party. God's Party. <laughs> well, I don't know. If,
1: I don't know if it was actually stood for God's Whoa. Party, but God's we were like, party. "Wow,
2: it is literally God's Party!"
1: Wow. Uh, That's the bowl. Always <laughs> pull out those. Party jokes. Yeah, the G party. There we go.
2: And I think, like, it was just like, wow, God, you're so faithful. Yes. And I think that was, like, really just God's power and his faithfulness That's to our right. church. And I don't know if you remember, but you went on sabbatical, like, the next month. <laughs> and then that happened two or three more times while you were on sabbatical. Right. And we jumped from location to location. And I think, you know, many of us in our leadership that kind of knew the more intricate details of that, I think we just looked back at that season and are like, God has been so faithful, our church. He's good, and there's there's nothing that can happen that will stop God from allowing us to meet because He He loves His church so much, and He cares about mm. His people gathering together, giving praise to Him, building one another up. And I think, yeah, even as I'm sharing it now, I'm like getting goosebumps. And I'm like, wow, God is so good to us. You know, there's nothing that yeah. can happen that that anyone could do that will hinder what God wants to do, you know, in our church. And I think it's like those kind of stories that reminds me, even when I'm struggling or when I'm going through difficult times, it helps me like, okay, I can praise God, you know, God is still good and he's still faithful and that's what we can give praise to God for. So I I wanted to encourage many of you that um, that might be a new story for you and I'm hoping that that will be a story of faithfulness that you can also share. Uh, Whether it's in your life group, maybe you have a story in your life group or from your campus or from your workplace or from your life stage, you know, tell the story of what God has done in your life. Tell the story of what God has done in your life group, how it got started. Share that with others so that they can recount the faithfulness of God so that we can remember and others can praise God for and and take some time to reflect. I think so many of us, I, I think some of us are pretty proud and thinking that we have this great memory, but we're forgetful people. And we always forget the goodness and faithfulness of God in our lives. And so with that, uh, I think even as we think about how Mary remembered and how she internalized everything, um, I think the, the, the amazing thing is that it wasn't just Mary that remembered. And it wasn't just her praise in this moment, you know, as she was praising God for leading up to the birth of Jesus Christ. But it was just this whole idea of remembering and it was Jesus Christ who died on the cross that we can remember. And this was the impactful moment that the disciples, they experienced when they actually went to the empty tomb. I wanted to read the verse from Luke 24, verses 6 to 8 in the NIV. This is the angel speaking to the women who went to the tomb uh, early in the morning right uh, after the resurrection. And just read it together in the yellow. Sorry, in verse 6 it says, He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you. And remember how he told you is referring to Jesus, how Jesus had told the disciples. While he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. And this was God, again, encouraging the disciples, remember. And what did he ask them to remember? He asked them to remember, remember the gospel. Remember what Jesus has said to us. And yes, it's God's faithfulness in all of history. Yes, it's God's faithfulness in in your life and in my life and all the things he's done as evidence. But the biggest thing that he wants us to remember is how his son has died, was crucified. That's the whole meaning of Christmas. It's not that this baby is beautiful in this manger, but it's that this son who was born into this world, the purpose why he came is because he would be crucified crucified, not just for anyone, but for you and I, for the things that we have done, for the things that I have done, for the ways that we have messed up time and time and time again, that even though God has been so faithful to us, we're still so unfaithful to him. And not only that, he has not only died for us, but he has risen again. And that gives us hope. That's his faithfulness over death to allow us to experience his grace time and time again. And as we remember that, we remember his crucifixion, we, we remember his resurrection, that just hopefully stirs off a sense of gratitude, and that gratitude just erupts in praise and allows us to say, God, you're so good to me. And so that's why the one thing for us this morning is as our gratitude rises up to God, our hearts will be filled with praises for God. As our gratitude rises up to God, our hearts will be filled with praises to God. I just want to share with us a couple of next steps. Um, it's compiled from all three of us as we shared this morning. I think the first is just take some time to reflect on God's goodness. Oftentimes, uh, we go through life so busy. Uh, I know this is a totally different season. It's not like we're busy with vacation. It's not we're busy with holidays and travel and things like that. But Oftentimes, we tend to make ourselves busier with work. You know, when we, when we don't have all those things, we just throw ourselves into something to distract ourselves. And take some time out. Take a personal Sabbath. You know, if you have a couple days off, take half a day. Go hike. Go find somewhere just to reflect on God's goodness to us in our lives. The second thing is train your mind with God's perspective. Train your minds with God's perspective. And it refers back to the framework that we talked about earlier and how they're... You can give into that self sufficiency. You can give into that pride. You can give into that uh, false humility and that insecurity. Or you can fasten your mind. Again, it, it goes back to the mind uh, on the gospel and the good news that says we're, we're messed up, we're broken, we're not that great, but God is greater than us. And the third thing is, lastly, just tell a story about God's faithfulness. Tell a story about God's faithfulness. And it's really about things that He has done. And as we boast about that, we pass those stories on, that's really going to help other people to be able to praise God for all the things that He's done.
0: Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.